peoples of the worldwide federated internet. What's good? So today, I took the time out to actually go through reading this book that was recommended to me years ago. And I think I showed this book on my podcast a few months ago when I bought it. This book right here, C.S. Lewis, The Screwtape Letters. I started reading it and kind of put it away and went about, you know, doing other things I'm kind of a research junkie, so I'm always researching things, looking up things, reading a bunch of different things. So that that book kind of got tossed by the wayside. So today I said, you know what, let me pick this book up and actually start reading it. I've said this before, only because I've seen and read some of his writings, only excerpts. I've I've never read a full uh, scope of the writings of C.S. Lewis, but I'm going to tell you something. Reading this is kind of getting me to the point where I realize what a prolific thinker C.S. Lewis actually was. And I've said this before, like I knew this. This is not new to me. I came to this conclusion just hearing some of the things that he said and reading some of his quotes like, man, this dude was really thinking through things. Doesn't mean he was right about everything. But I I can appreciate someone who can think past the normal things that people see and think. Right. He was you you can tell reading this book that he was thinking so beyond the normal and so beyond the scene. That's another thing. Sometimes I think people get caught into thinking about only the things they can see. So in this letter, it's a. Or in this book, it's a series of letters. The main, there's three main characters. Um, Hold on, because I'm forgetting. Yeah, there's Screwtape, which is like the main character that represents a demon. There's Wormwood, which is his nephew. And then there is this guy who is a believer. And the battle that you're watching there's letters going back and forth between screw tape and wormwood. And this guy is having battles in his life as a believer. The backdrop is World War II England. This guy professes faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and goes through the ebbs and flows of the Christian life. Um, I'm not finished the book. I'll probably finish it tonight. It's actually not a hard book to read. But the thing that really captivated me is when you read the things that C.S. Lewis is saying, this is what you realize. You realize that C.S. Lewis is really speaking, in my opinion, from personal experience. He has used the his personal experiences as a believer to capture and, and document the battles that rages the battle that rages within 
And you can tell that C.S. Lewis had a very great understanding of the psychology of believers and, and the psychology of humanity in general. So he was definitely thinking about many of these things. The, like his, the things he wrote down, they were not flippant. They were not haphazard thoughts. These were things that he was chewing on and meditating on probably for years, in my opinion. And, and one of the things he's going back and forth with, I'm telling you, this, this book will actually challenge you if you read it and consider the things being said. Now, it's, it's, it's fiction, right? So it's fiction based on the information we have surrounding the spiritual warfare. So this book is not is not something to take as like um, a doctrinal composition. Although many of the things discussed within the book definitely come from a sound doctrinal position, the book is definitely not to be taken as doctrine. Um, it is a it is a great book. I, I'll tell you this. I, I'll tell you what I take away from this book. I wish. I would have read this book years ago before I went my own way. Right. I think every believer goes through this, through this period. Well, I say every believer, not every, I'm gonna tell you, I went through it and I've met many believers that went through the same thing. You go through this period where you're in a, you're in a lull, you're in a downtime. And instead of taking that time to say, all right, it's time for me to trust God. You have a situation, you have something happen, life happens, sin, judgment, many things happen. And instead of saying, you know what, I need to hunker down and dig in and, and really get to this battle, you go your own way. And that's what I did, unfortunately. I'm just being honest with you. C.S. Lewis really captures the thought process, the psychology, and the battle that rages on he he really tackles the 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 trueness of religion versus the falseness of man-made religion he tackles the trueness and the rightness of fellowship with god versus man-made fellowship with god and he draws the contradiction and it is like it's really remarkable how he constructed this book and while I was reading this book, there were some verses that you know how I am that started rattling around in my brain. And those verses are found in the book of Second Corinthians chapter six. So I want to get to that and I want to talk about this because it kind of goes over a theme that he was discussing in this book. Let's get into this. All right. So the book of uh first Corinthians chapter six, I'm going to start in verse. Mm, let me start. I'm going to start in verse 14 and God hath both raised up the Lord and will also raise up us by his own power. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ. Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them 
the members of an harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that he which join is joined to an harlot is one body? For two saith he shall be one flesh, but he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. This is the comment. This is the statement right here that was rattling through my mind as I've been reading the screw tape letters. What know ye not that your body is the temple of God is the is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God and ye are not your own for ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And here's the funny thing. There's another verse in the book of Ephesians chapter two, I believe verse one and two, where it talks about who we served before we came to Christ, right? What we were a part of, uh, we willingly served, uh, the prince of the power of the air willingly. The funny thing is sometimes I'd say sometimes even unknowingly, right? The funny thing is you come to Christ, you believe the gospel God did not twist your arm and shove you down and push you into this position. But what God has done is forgiven you, given you eternal life. You never have to worry about damnation. And what do we do? We kick, scream, moan, complain. And I'm not talking about other people. I'm talking about myself. This is myself. This is really this. This book is really striking a chord. I like it. And I like the way C.S. Lewis thinks. And I like the way that he presents his ideas. I believe it's it's very powerful the way he does this. But the the thing that set on me is the fact that, yo, and this is kind of something he alludes to. And in the letters back and forth between Screwtape and Wormwood, one of the things he alludes to is the fact that when you get saved, there's this conscious realization about what really matters in life, or there should be, right? Because you you have a realization of what life is truly about, as stated in the book of Ecclesiastes. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. When you come to that realization, it also makes you realize something else that's a theme through the whole book of Ecclesiastes. Life is enjoyable. I am thankful for the things that God has given me to enjoy. But what are these things in comparison to what I'm here to do? What is what is there's nothing wrong with financial gain. So I don't want anybody to get the, the wrong impression when I say this. But what is financial gain compared to what I am here to do? What is material things compared to what I am here to do? What is religiosity? What is the pomp 
of a false religion compared to what it is I am here to do. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the entire duty of man. This is what truly. See, so this is what I think. And I know this is cliche and I know you've heard a lot of people say this. I think that within most people, right, men and women, there's this innate knowledge that something is missing. There's this innate feeling that I I was meant to to do something. I am put here for something and something is missing. I think it's just my personal opinion. I am not a psychologist, but I think this is the reason that people get addicted to drugs, uh, addicted to sex, um, addicted to attention, addicted to food. People get addicted to things because they know inside you that your body knows that you're meant to serve something. And we often attempt to replace that something, which is a being, it is God. We attempt to replace that with these other things and it doesn't satisfy. And what it leads to is a spiral of more and more addiction. When, when I look at my life and I look at the directions I've gone in my life and I explore other people I know and the directions they've gone, I'm going to keep it real with you. The people I know who've, who've gone on continually for God, their life hasn't been easy by far. I, some of these people I know have had worse struggles than most people I know of. But the other thing I know about these people is when you talk to them and I don't get the sense that this is fake or made up. When I talk to them, I get the sense that, man, they have a true sense of actual, real fulfillment. Life hasn't been easy. Life has thrown curveballs. They have had problems. Money hasn't always been right. Sometimes it was tight. They didn't know how bills were going to be paid. God was always faithful and they just seem so fulfilled and it doesn't seem like a show. I'm, I'm noticing that common theme. And then on, a, on the adverse, what I notice is there are people who have had everything as far as the world can offer that decided to go their own way like I did. And some of these people have gone their whole life going their own way. And when I see these people, talk to these people, hear these people, I don't get the sense of satisfaction. I get the sense that there's always more and more and more they're trying to get because they're just not satisfied. They're trying to fill their life with things that no matter how much of it they get, it's not going to satisfy. I, I always wondered when I was a kid, this before I got saved, I always wondered why people who seem to be rich and have everything always seems so dissatisfied that never made sense to me until I got saved. And it, it honestly never made sense. I was like, man, how are these people who are rich, famous, do all of these stupid things, rich people committing suicide? Like you don't have any bills to worry about. You have everything you could possibly want materially. And still you want to kill yourself. I did not understand that. And I could not understand it. And I think I think what happens is people come to a place of emptiness when you try to fill 
this, this, uh, when you try to fill your life with things that you think are going to satisfy and you fill it with more and more and more and more, and no matter how much you feel, it does not bring that satisfaction. I think that gives a person a sense of emptiness. And some of these people, you know, sometimes these people come to a conscious realization. They ask God some real questions and he brings them the truth. And then sometimes people avoid God at all costs. And many of these people go headlong into depression and kill themselves. But I'm telling you, reading this book, C.S. Lewis, The Screwtape Letter, it got it, it really press is pressing this on my mind, thinking about this verse. Like, man, you could spend a lifetime doing everything you thought was going to satisfy everything you thought was going to bring you joy. You can spend a lifetime doing these things only to come to the end of your rope and realize it was all emptiness because none of it gave you that lasting true joy. And again, I know that sounds supremely cliche, but I'm telling you, it's rare. It's rare that I highly recommend books outside outside of the Bible, right? Because look, C.S. Lewis, not a perfect man, and his thoughts are not perfect. But man, this is a really good book. It is a really, really good book. I'm I'm really I'm happy when I can read a book and the only thing that's going through my mind as I'm reading this book is some biblical or spiritual truth. I'm trying my best, right? I'm I'm not holier than thou. I am not some monk that's constantly, you know, just with my Bible in my hand, walking around all day long, keeping it real with you. But I'm trying my best to fill my life with things that keep me thinking about things like this. Because this is helpful toward my growth, toward my real growth, and toward something that's going to have everlasting value. Y'all know what it is. Stay frosty, people.